first of all, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. The question is, how can you grow in grace? How can you grow in grace? Or how can you grow to maturity is another way of putting it. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that's okay. That's good. But what have you done since then? What have you done since you've been saved? I want to discuss this with you because I believe it's something that's in the Word of God and we need to take a look at it. So, number one there in your notes, spiritual birth must precede spiritual growth. You've got to get things right. First of all, you must know Christ as your Savior. All the other things about the Christian life doesn't belong to you. You have to be a Christian first. So here in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, look in verse 23. Being born again, born from above, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. First thing that you have to do, if you want to go to heaven, you want to be a Christian, you have to be born again. That means you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know that you have eternal life. Know that you're going to heaven when you die. And the reason or the only way you can know that you're really trusting Christ as your Savior and only hope of going to heaven is when you believe in eternal security. If you don't believe in eternal security, to be eternally secure, then you don't believe the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that when you trust Christ, He gives you eternal life and will never cast you out and never lose you. That's what makes it good news. It's not good news to have it for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year. It's to know that you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. That's what makes it good news and that it's free. So it has to be free and it has to last forever. Any one of those missing, it's not good news. So that's why it's so important. First of all, you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now look at letter A under that heading. Spiritual growth is all about progressive sanctification. All right. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified. It means you were made pure and holy and set apart. You belong to the Lord. That's why God says you are a saint. Now, you may not look like a saint, and you may not act like a saint, but you are a saint. You don't have to wait for time down the road to see whether or not, well, did I look good enough for people to vote me in as a saint? You should say, what does a saint look like? Look at me. You, when you get home, you look in the mirror and you say, thou art a saint. You say, how come? Because God says you are. Has absolutely nothing to do with how you live. You are a saint. God has declared you perfect and righteous and just and holy in his sight and set you apart. You are sanctified because of the payment Christ made on the cross for you. You have been declared a saint. Now, you may not live like a saint, this is why we talk about progressive sanctification, that in your Christian life, you begin to develop certain qualities in your life that a saint ought to have. In other words, there's things in your life that might need to be cut off. There might be things in your life you need to put in. So the Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. So it's progressive. You don't just trust Christ as Savior and little baby, and all of a sudden, I'm an adult. 
It doesn't happen in life that way. If evolution was true, why did we give up one of the most important things of all? And that is, when a little monkey is born, did you know the next day he can be swinging on a tree? Try that with a baby. Why did he leave that most exciting thing of all, that he can get up and walk around and run around and swing around and all that? But a little baby is so helpless. He's so helpless for so long. He is totally dependent upon somebody else to take care of him. But do you want the little baby to stay a little baby all its life? No. Now, God doesn't want his little babies to stay little babies. He wants you to grow. So sanctification in your Christian life is just simply you growing in the Lord. You're growing in knowledge of the Word of God and learning how to apply it. That doesn't happen overnight. Look at letter B. While there is nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ, we all begin there. There is something definitely wrong if you remain a babe. Now, while you're right here in the book of 1 Peter, I want you to look down there in chapter 2. And look in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. In other words, there's things to put off. Then notice what it says in verse 2. As newborn babes. So a babe in Christ is someone, is a newborn. Now, if you never had this new birth, you're not a child of God. You've never been born into God's family. Now, you can live all your life. And you've heard people say, well, we know we're all the children of God. No, we're not. God says, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. So, therefore, you must be born again. You say, well, I don't remember ever doing that. Well, then maybe you haven't been born again. It needs to be a time in your life. You may not remember the day and the hour and all that, but you know there was a time when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, some people trust the Lord when they're very young, and that's great. And they don't know. I mean, here's a child that's three and a half years old, four years old. You know, I turned from a life of wicked sin. <laughs> and I threw away my baby bottle. <laughs> well, anyway, you are supposed to grow now as a child of God. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you'll follow with me, we'll be able to get all of this done today. If not, we'll just keep going until we do get done. No. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and look in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, you know that you're a babe when you're born into God's family. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were all of a sudden a spiritual giant. You may not even know anything about the Bible. You just don't know. But you trusted Christ as your Savior. It is the will of God that you begin to grow in the Lord. So you need to understand that. Look at letter C there in your notes. When God wants to produce a squash, it takes six months. When God wants to produce an oak tree, it could take a hundred years. Which one do you want to be? A squash or an oak tree? A uh, oak tree takes time. Some people are nothing but a squash. And it doesn't take much for them to be squashed. You heard about the mama tomato and the baby tomato? They were walking along and 
Baby tomato got further and further back. So mama tomato went back and catch up. That's where it came from. I knew you'd appreciate that. Y'all are, y'all are deep theologians here. Look at letter D. Letter D. The Lord has provided everything you need to provide salvation from sin's penalty. Now think about it. What you needed to save you from hell, He provided everything you needed. God sent His Son into the world. He lived the perfect life because that's what we had to have. We had to have a near kinsman, somebody who was a human to live a perfect life, have no sin, and could be a substitute for it. And he died on the cross. God took care of all of this. He came back from the dead, paid for all of our sins. Whatever you and I needed to live with the Lord for all eternity, he provided everything. Now, for your Christian life, there's things that God has provided for you and I to mature in the Lord. Look at the next statement under letter D. He has also provided everything necessary for you to grow as a child of God. Every child of God needs to understand the ingredients that are necessary for them to achieve maturity. Now, when you're a little small baby, you don't know anything. Somebody has to kind of feed you a little bit and help you to listen and to grow. And God has an uncanny way of working and dealing with his children. And he's got children everywhere. And God allows things to happen in their life. He sends certain people at times in their life that are very important to help that person. It doesn't mean that all of God's children respond to God's intervention in their life. You'd be surprised when you get to heaven and find out how many times God has intervened in your life at the right time, but you paid it no mind. How that God sent just the right person with the right information to help you to listen, to grow, mature, and you refused. Some of God's children are rebellious. In case you didn't know that, I thought I'd tell you. They don't always walk with God. They're not always seeking to. That's why the Bible made this statement, desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire. That's something that you need to do. Desire this. You can desire everything else in the world, but it won't help you to grow spiritually. Spiritual food will help you to grow spiritually. The things of the world cannot help you to grow strong as a Christian. So that's why you need it. Another thing to notice here, look at number two. Spiritual growth takes time. It's not overnight. It takes time. And God is willing to give you the time that you need to mature. You see, there's things that God expects from somebody that's been saved for a while than those that haven't been saved for a while. So look there in your Bible to Hebrews in chapter 5. Hebrews in chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and look in verse 12. Verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be teachers. So there is a time limit in here. And the time is enough that you ought to be doing something that you're not now doing. So he says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the work of God or the oracles of God. So growth takes time. God is willing to give you time. 
This is why when you come to church and you bring your Bible and you read and you study and you mark and you pray and you do the things that God wants you to do, you'll begin to grow and you develop a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more knowledge. Remember I told you that I used to sit there in church and Betty, my wife, she was raised in church all her life. She knew all the books in the Bible and she could just run through them. She knew different Psalms, memorized. And here I am with all of my pride. And I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I couldn't find any books in the Bible. And the preacher would say, turn to this scripture. And I'd say, where she's turning to? And she would be there, and I, I, gotta, I have no clue where to go. I could stand it. It forced me to learn the Bible. Because I hated being put down by my wife. I couldn't stand my wife being smarter than me. You know, it just does something to you. So it forced me to learn. So um, she still, I think, knows more than I do. Don't ask her, you know. It's enough that I can try to read her notes here. (laughs) You know what's a shame? There are a lot of things that I say that you don't believe, and then there's some things I say, and you believe every word of it. (laughs) You just believe the wrong thing. All right, look there in Hebrews chapter 5, and look in verse 13. You must study what it says is the truth. And the truth is this in verse 13. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. The word of righteousness means you're studying the word of truth. Thy word is truth. You've got to study the truth. So if you want to grow, you've got to know it takes you some time. You're not going to get there overnight. Some people want to rush it, and you can't rush it because, you see, it takes some learning and then takes some application. Wisdom is learning how to apply what you have learned to the experiences in life so that you yourself, you're growing and becoming wiser. You don't want to become a fool. You want to become wise in the things of God, and that's because you're studying the wisdom that comes from God, and God says that you can grow. Now, look at your small letter A there under number three. Where it has, and we've already read the scripture, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, notice down here at number letter B, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now, this is a scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, and this is what it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. It must be that God wants every one of his children to work. So what is your work in the Lord? Every child of God is to be involved in the work of the Lord. But he says you study. And studying is there's desire and study. Desire it. Study it. That's on you. That's not on God. That's on you. But a lot of people will not desire the right thing. And then because it takes work, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to memorize. Well, I just can't memorize. It's because you won't memorize. You can memorize. You just won't memorize. It's just not that you, well, I can't study the Bible. You can, but you won't. Christ made the statement to the Pharisee. He says, you will not come unto me that you might have life. He didn't say, you can't come. He said, no, you won't come. You could, but you won't. You can do what you really want to do. Is you don't desire it strong enough. 
And you won't study like you ought to. It takes time. It is effort. You say, well, I just don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. You may load yourself down with a lot of things that God doesn't want you to do, and then you won't have time. But what are you doing between midnight and 7 o'clock in the morning? So while I'm sleeping. See there? Why are you sleeping? Because you want to. I'm trying to prove a point all. You don't have to eat three meals a day. Give up one of those meals. Somebody just went into cardiac arrest. Some of you maybe only need two meals a day. And then take that time, study the Word of God. It does take time, and it takes effort. But you're studying truth, and truth will make a difference in your life. You'll either study truth or you'll study a lie. Whichever one you want, that's what you're going to get. But desire it, that you may grow thereby. So take your Bible, look in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy and chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is a great portion of Scripture. Chapter 3, look in verse 16. And notice what the Bible says here. In verse 16, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by God so that we can know what God wants. Look what he says. It's profitable for doctrine, what's right, for reproof, what's wrong, for correction, how to make it right, for instruction, how to teach it right, in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, mature, truly furnished unto all good works, be able to do all God wants you to do. The Word of God is what that's for. Now, when you don't want to do what God wants you to do, then you don't have time to study the Bible. But if you do, you'll find time. You will make time. So the thing is, is what do you want? You're only going to live one time in life. There's no reruns, no instant replays. Just one trip through life is all you get. What are you going to do with it? You get one chance to live. This is the only time you get to serve God on this side of eternity. Don't you want to make a mark? Don't you want to accomplish something? Don't you want to take advantage of this opportunity that God's given to us? We can all give all the excuses on why we can't do it. But God says, it's my word. Study it. You'd be surprised what the word of God will do to you, what it'll do for you. I was talking to Peter Amato and was talking about the kids that go out soul winning. And some people always want to know, well, all those people that you led to the Lord, where are they and how strong are they and what are they doing? They may be running around in diapers. But I'd rather them run around in diapers than no diapers at all. I'd rather them be a babe in Christ and go to heaven than not to go at all. But you ought to see what it does to those who go. Those that do work with those kids and those that do go, you know, they grow. Haven't you noticed how that uh, Jan, who was up here just a minute ago, see how he's growing? See his concern? See the compassion? Have you listened to Jesse lately? Have you heard Peter Amato? They're doing the work. And when you do the work, you grow. You get stronger. Because you get involved and you do it. It will work. It always works God's way. So here... In 2 Timothy, chapter 3, study the Word of God. It is profitable. 
Isn't that what you want? Look back here at your notes. Number four, spiritual growth requires spiritual teachers. I've had people say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. That's all the teacher I need. Well, evidently, you didn't read what the Holy Spirit told you to read. When the Bible makes a statement, and we just read it just a minute ago over there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5, when he says, for the time you ought to be what? Teachers. Well, if you're a teacher and you're supposed to be teaching, evidently somebody needs to learn something. You can't be a teacher if there's no students. So evidently God wants you to be a teacher, so there must be students, somebody to learn. Can you see that? You're smart enough to see that, can't you? So for the time you ought to be teachers. So is there wrong in having teachers teach the Word of God? I believe that it's what God wants us to do. Look at letter A on the number four. God has given to you the Holy Spirit as your inner and ultimate teacher. He lives inside of you. The teacher of the Word of God. But you know that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? has already lived inside of a, a lot of the other older believers, mature believers, and the Holy Spirit that taught them can teach you. And you can learn faster. And you can grow quicker. And instead of taking you 20 years, you might be able to learn it in just a few years. This is why we encourage people to go to Bible college so that you can learn. In a three or four years, what might take you 25, 30 years to learn? Because you're learning from the people who have already had the Holy Spirit in them, teach them, and now they're teaching you. You know, that's the way it is in life. We assume that parents know more than babies. Don't you? Don't we assume that it's going to be the parents that's going to pose to teach that little baby? And it learns how to walk, learns how to talk. And then you spend the rest of your life teaching them to shut up and sit down. <laughs> but you've learned. That's what you do. Look at uh, letter B there. The Lord wants you to know the truth, and He is willing to personally teach you through His Spirit who indwells you. Letter C. Always pray for spiritual understanding and enlightenment, like the psalmist says in Psalms 119. When he talks about in the 119th Psalm, Thy word is pure, making wise the simple, enlightening the eyes. More precious than honey and so forth. The Word of God is rich and able to make those who obey it wise. And the chastening of the Lord and the things that you'll learn. All those wonderful things that God has given to us in the 119th Psalm. Look at letter D. God also gave teachers for the students. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So the Bible says that when Christ ascended into heaven, what is it that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive and brought them out and gave gifts unto men? That's mentioned up there in verse 8 and 9 and 10. And gave gifts unto men. Now look what he says there in verse 11. And he gave some to the church, apostles, Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. In verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Did you see the word teachers there? Well, if everybody has the Holy Spirit, you don't need a teacher. Just let the Holy Spirit teach you. Well, the Holy Spirit 
put it in the scriptures to have teachers teach you spiritual things. Is it possible that I might, as the pastor, be able to teach you some things from the Word of God that would help you to understand it better? I got a, a letter this morning from somebody in another state that heard one of my YouTube messages and emailed and says, thank you. That really cleared up. And he's a pastor. Really cleared up my thinking on this. And another one on Calvinism. They heard a message that I did on Calvinism. And I got another email. I have given some of these. I give them to Peter and I give some to James and I give some to Jesse and says, because there's too many, I can't handle all of them. But I figure that they can handle this one. They can handle this one. They can handle this one. Some of them, they got to dig and, you know, do a little work. But I figure they can handle that. But some of the ones I think, is, this is really hard. This is a good one. And I'll try to just take care of that. But you got to have teachers. That's what the Word of God says. Look what he says these teachers are supposed to do. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to all come into the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That ye henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but you learned what the Word of God says, so that you're not weak. Now let me ask you this. If you were asked to teach a Sunday school, could you do it? So yeah, I can handle that. Somebody else says, well, if you give me five-year notice. <laughs> I've enjoyed once in a while whenever I spring it upon the deacon board. I told the deacon, I says, be ready always to have a sermon at the drop of a hat. I said, I may walk into the pulpit, and all of a sudden I get sick and I can't preach. And I says, the only time you'll have to prepare is from where you're sitting to the time you get to the podium. You better be ready, or you're going to be very embarrassed. But I expect every deacon to be able to teach the Word of God. Shouldn't I? Shouldn't you expect that from them? And so far they've been ready. They live in holy fear of every board meeting we have. I'm saying this because we have another one right after church service this morning. <laughs> but to be prepared, be prepared. The Boy Scout motto, be prepared. On my honor, I will do my best. Take what they give me and steal the rest. No. <laughs> We're to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, cheerful, brave, clean, and reverend. There's 12 of them. The 13th Scott law was, uh, remember the other 12. But um, you're to study the Word of God. The Word of God says that, and there's this to be teachers. 